Welcome back, Intimates. I'm excited to find you experts to talk about love, connection, non-monogamy, polyamory, relationship anarchy, group sex, kink, commitment, and lots of other intimacy and relationship topics. Let's live our best lives together by unlearning stigma and getting clear on what we really want. Don't know what to ask for? I have loads of ideas for you. Of course, none of this would be possible without the support of my amazing Patreon supporters or my current hosts, the Musqueam First Nation on whose unceded lands this podcast was made and this human was born. If you want to support more intimate interactions, you can say thank you by supporting us on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. Patreon supporters also get every episode of the podcast ad-free with short intros and outros. I know funds are not an option for some of you lovely humans, but don't fret, there are other ways you can help out. You can help make more intimate interactions by just telling someone you listen to this podcast. Or if you're feeling especially generous, you can share a link to an episode you like and discuss it with a friend or partner, or even leave us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting site. Help other humans interested in more intimacy and better relationships find us. If you have your own podcast, shout us out. Need a podcast guest? Email offers to podcast at victorsalmon.com. I love talking about relationships and intimacy, and I love cross-promotion and working with other podcasters. Okay, let's hear about today's episode. Long-distance relationships, like any kind of relationship, are diverse, varied, and complicated. Jazz Goldman discusses the benefits, challenges, and milestones of long-distance relationships while we reflect on our Comet partnership, one flavor of long-distance relationship. We have had some struggles that felt intense to me and some successes that felt like big wins. Your mileage may vary, but we can only speak from our experiences. Here's Jazz and myself talking about our Comet partnership here on Intimate Interactions. So I'll welcome everyone to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with Jazz Goldman. Jazz, would you like to introduce yourself? I am Jazz Goldman. Um... I'm a queerdo and an educator and a yogi and an artist. Um, And I like to think that a big goal that I bring around the world is decolonizing all the things. Um, And demonetizing by way of shit-talking capitalism. Because you can't deconstruct racism without deconstructing capitalism. We could probably spend a whole episode on that. But, but today I wanted to focus more on Comet Partners. <laughs> Comet Partners Part 2. Yeah, even just talking about like long distance um, relationships and trying to ask some of the core questions about needs and things like that, which is fitting because this is amidst us working yeah. out what long distancey stuff can look like for us slash does look like for us. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to start by describing what comet partners are for the audience? Yeah. So way back in June of 2019, I met this super cool cat and they made my heart go flutter and were like, Oh, we could be comet partners. I could see that. And I was like, wait, what is that? So then (laughs) this person told me (laughs) and they were like, "Um, it is a type of partnership that acknowledges distance and infrequency of um, time spent IRL. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like this interesting um, duality of both closeness and deepness that is more than fuck buddies or casual things or you know whatnot but also recognizes that you know hey we're we're a bit like Haley. we orbit closely and then we go back out further in the loops of our worlds yeah we may literally just not see each other and not interact much for like a whole month at a time um that hasn't been super common recently, but I think for a while there it wasn't uncommon where we would spend like a few weeks where we hadn't even really messaged. And then we would go back to like messaging and stuff. Yeah. It's hard to say. Cause I, I feel like I was reaching out and then we would like have all these conversations, but, um, <laughs> sorry. I'm just thinking about like 
did we actually talk in that three week period where I didn't feel like we were talking? I'm like, maybe we did, or maybe oh, no, Jazz just reached out real. to me and I didn't respond to them. No. <laughs> I'm like, oh no. No, I was just thinking more like the first couple of months. I think I, it must have been sometime after Halloween. That's when mm-hmm. I remember that we started to have like an actual gap. And, you know, as right. someone who's done this more than you, like those moments are always interesting because I've seen so many of those fizzle. Like the first time that disconnect happens or a slowing down of whatever texting Mm -hmm. energy, whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it. Like the first time that happens is often the marker of what is to come or not often, but like has been, you know, more times, um, in my life. So I was like, huh. And, um, yeah. And that wasn't the case. And, um, we had our first kind of like difficulties communicating. Um, Mm-hmm. And it's uh, that's another kind of skill for um, for comet partnerships is how to effectively resolve, resolve conflict, conflict long distance. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like shit, you know. Yeah, that's super challenging. Um, but I we made th- made it through it. Yeah, we did. And through um, sure Mercury pe- retrograde while that was happening for the astrology, <laughs> astrologically inclined listeners, <laughs> like it was, it's been fucking Mercury and marmalade, uncoolness, and Ooh. yeah, no, that's, Sorry, that's something I, that somebody I admire and like literally just met at my one of my new jobs <laughs> has been saying. Mercury, Mercury is a marmalade. <laughs> what does that mean? It's Say a joke that. because it's okay. supposed to be retrograde. Oh, yeah. I'm really slow today. You got it now. <laughs> I got it now. <laughs> yeah. Got it. Mercury marmalade. Okay. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So anyways. And what are the implica- what is what does that mean, Mercury in retrograde? What is right. That For mean? those who don't know, which I would be shocked that you don't know this. Don't feel shame. Just just my shock. <laughs> just just shock. Neutral shock. That you don't know what Neutral Mercury in retrograde shock. is. A several thousand year old multicultural tradition but um the... <laughs> at least you aren't like loading this i just got into such a goofy mood with that oh my god oh that's funny um, mercury in retrograde is signified by a couple of things mainly technological difficulties of all kinds and communication difficulties so it's not actually tech it's communication um, I mean, which, that makes that makes sense, which then in modernity translates to texting and emails and calendars like I I opened my calendar on my phone a couple hours ago and it just wasn't synced anymore. It has never not been synced since I put the app on my phone. Mm-hmm. It's it maybe is a coincidence, but like in addition to I that, think, I couldn't. I think we know what my opinion is already. We do. We do. But I don't know. As a as a non astrologist, does uh, that kind of clear up the idea of what Mercury in retrograde is, or do you want more? Yeah, no that that makes sense. Like Hermes is like busy screwing off, doing his own thing. Like that's cool. Oh, you went you went the other astrology. Yeah, I went from Roman back to the. We're, you're talking about thousands of years old, so I was like, well, we might as well talk yeah. about it in the original Greek then, rather than in the. Well, appropriated I'm, Roman. I'm sure that the way that most Americans are describing it is more connected to what you just, just you just said, because right. so much of our shit is like really watered down Greek stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. Like we don't even think about the days. I mean, like you know, kids nowadays know. Oh yeah, the days of the week are for these different gods, and you know, one mm-hmm. day is for Mars, and one day is for saturn and you know those kinds of things but um but we don't really think about how that is actually truly connected to roman culture or greek culture you know hermes Mm -hmm. is greek right yes 
Hermes is the Greek god, um, apparently, and I just looked it up because I was like, wait, how much, how, how, what's the chance I'm totally screwing this up? And I'm like, there's a chance. Um, there's, so as much as Mercury is that sort of appropriated Greek god, Mercury is also related to an Etruscan deity terms, apparently. Mm-hmm. Who knew? You love to Google you love to With like the same distinctive episode. Yeah, well, because I just like fact checking myself because yeah. I would prefer not to just like say really dumb things that are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Social anxiety. It's a bitch. It's good. So the it's reason good. the reason the terms gets mentioned is because um, terms dates back to seventh century BC, whereas Hermes tends to be fifth to second century BC. Okay. So it's it's older than the Greek. So. Ooh. If we're going to go millennia back needlessly, we might as well go millennia back needlessly. I love so the it. point is, astrology Mercury is, is supposedly really in, in retrograde, and this, for astrologer-type people, um, means a breakdown in communication, which is what we experienced. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, and so I guess another thought I have about resolving conflict long distance with someone that you already don't have as much of an establishment with because there just hasn't been enough time is such Mm -hmm. a delicate thing. And I think I learned in that conversation that I wasn't, I wasn't sharing as openly as I thought. So there were, there was like whole experiences I was having that I was sort of swallowing up. And we had this interesting like exchange about niceness that Mm. also sat with me. And what I want to say is that the word I was looking for was grace. And that was Mm -hmm. my intention in the moments when I decided to not what I would have felt was like harp on you about one thing or other that had bothered me in some minor way. Right. I wanted to give Mm -hmm. you grace because we're far apart from each other and we both have things that are regularly difficult in life. Um, Mm. but what I did end up doing was trying to be nice and that is not great. (laughs) It's not great for healthy relationships anyway, being nice as like a strategy. <laughs> I think I think what we're starting to hit on is this idea of passive communication, yeah. like this idea of like, I'm not going to represent my needs in this conversation because I don't want to tax the other person. And to some extent, that takes agency away from the other person to make those choices by not even giving them the option to give us what we want. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas what and you were like, talking about, and it's not not just taxing, like the idea of um, of um, kicking someone when they're down, or beating up on someone was also a thing I didn't want to do, to like come mm-hmm. in in the middle because that's so much of what comet partnerships end up being. You're coming in in the midst and middle of what you don't quite know. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we have a time zone difference too, so like it's literally yeah. different day cycles. Um, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm very cognizant of that. But yeah. Yeah. I appreciate how experienced you are dealing with different time zones and dealing with long distance partnerships. Um, and that actually is a great segue into my next question, which is what regular maintenance do you think is helpful for you in long distance relationships? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things um, we we talked about right away, which is having actual conversation. Um, and while I don't have expectations around frequency, I just like need to know that we're going to be able to talk on the phone at some point mm-hmm. um, and do that ongoing. Like, mm-hmm. you know. It can be a couple of weeks, a couple of months sometimes before we like sit on the phone for an hour and a half, you know, (laughs) and spill it all out um, and go on crazy tangents. 
I do like catching up with you. I do like maintaining what we have. Yeah. 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 Um, so like, that's one thing that we figured out. Um, and, um, what's another thing like, so we do our best to extend grace to each other, which is assuming the best of intentions on the other person while still voicing our needs. And yeah. Yeah. Um, and we make space for a small amount of focus time as is fitting to both of our busy schedules. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel do like do? a commitment to vulnerability is a need hmm. because that's what mm, helped us get on the same page again. Like yeah. I was on some level not being as vulnerable with you about my feelings as I could have been because of reasons we just kind of described. And Mm -hmm. once I stopped doing that and you were able to actually meet me in that way, because you were given the opportunity to, um, Mm -hmm. it, it helped us clear things up, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Commitment to vulnerability. I I think so. Yeah. That idea that if we can share intimate exchanges, that that kind of fuels the relationship and fuels connection more importantly, like it fuels connection, which fuels the relationship. Yeah. And that those intimate exchanges are usually vulnerable conversations when you're at a distance and they can't be other intimate exchanges. Mm hmm. And like in person, go ahead. You have like, you have like sex or making out as options, but like right. at a distance you don't. So it's got to be more like more of like the technical intimacy skills, not the like fun, mushy intimacy skills. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like, it's the vulnerability piece, but I would say with like a sousson of brutal honesty, <laughs> A sousson of brutal honesty. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's like a food. Um, it's a food increment. <laughs> like, like it means it, it means I'm like you know just a, a little. Pinch. Got it. <laughs> That's fair. Um, I do not know the if there is like what the specific pronunciation of sousson would be, but that sounds fine to me. It sounds. I would believe you. The French have a word for a pinch, which is sousson, supposedly. Oh boy. I better, I better, that's something. Is this I like should... a, yeah, you do I, do I need to, <laughs> all right, I can. I don't even know how it's spelled. Uh, S-O-U-P, C with, uh, the Soup- little tail. So- uh-huh. Soupçon. What the, the yeah. C with the tail is, that's not circumflex, is it? No, uh, it's like a, a seal, seal D or something. I need to. Oh God, I've e. even forgotten the names of the accents. Oh, my mom would be so embarrassed. Let me see if I can find it. Also, apologies to the <laughs> All I can the, think uh, of is L'accent aigu. That was my favorite name for the accent. <laughs> I will see if I can find it. While you find it, I, I, if you want, if you're open, like I could share what the vulnerability thing was for me as I saw it yeah, in that please, last combo. Please do. So like, I am a big ball of love. That is like one of, that's like a, like you're like, Jess, tell us about yourself. Like, that's really what you need to know. Like, I'm a big ball of love. That is a thing that I do and be and go around the world um, trying to be. And I was just feeling afraid that you didn't care in the way that I did. Um, and so I was getting worried that I was like not taking care of myself by, um, allowing that to continue, you know? Um, and instead of like letting that be a destructive thing, I was able to share with you and I was able to say, Hey, you know, 
I do love you. Like that's a feeling I have, not as a thing of attachment, but as a thing of just, it's how I be. And I just need to know that you care about me, <laughs> which is not the same mm-hmm. thing as, uh, you know, we have to have a label on this relationship or you have to do these things. Like, I don't, right. I don't like, I just need to know that caring, like mutual caring is happening. That's not one-sided because I've done that before too, not recently, but like young, mm-hmm. young poly jazz definitely was like dopey golden retriever for people who like right. could have given two shits once I was out of their bed, you know, or yeah. like not at the party. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. yeah. I care about your welfare and want to see you do well and want to support you in doing those things. But you also just like care as a person about me as a person, like yeah. in a genuine way that like, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I like. That's a baseline need, <laughs> you know? <laughs> totally. Oh. I, it sounds like a no brainer, but it's not like, I've definitely been in relationships where I was like, I hadn't, I didn't prioritize that as like a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you know, oh. sorry, no, I had I had something different topic. You keep going. Oh, okay, hold it though. Like, I'm not suggesting that like all long distance relationships need to be what you know you and me are describing. Mm-hmm. That's like our version of our comet partnership. Right. Um, so like, if people are hearing this and they're like, wait, what do you mean? You can't just like have this cool person in another state that you like barely text. And then like, sometimes you guys fuck like, yeah, you can do that. One can, I, I would do that Mm -hmm. with other people and in theory, (laughs) but yeah. And, and also having short interactions with folks doesn't necessarily mean having superficial interactions with folks. Oh yeah. So I think holding space for that really intense, really intimate connection or spark that is, not just like a fling or a tryst, but is like the sense of deep connection that's meaningful for the two of you. And then you are back home far away from each other. And maybe you don't choose to be in regular contact, but you know, every six months when you're in the same city or at the same conference, you connect again. There's lots of models. Yeah, there are. But I think, I guess, refocusing back on comet partnerships you know yeah um some things that definitely work are finding a type of communication to do that feels connected and like more focused like finding that between the two of you is a really important thing willingness to be vulnerable and a little bit a sousant of brutal honesty Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like I, you know, our, our friendship and relationship has strengthened when I've like said the things that I was worried would hurt your feelings. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Actually your willingness to say things that might hurt my feelings is part of what helps me feel safe with you is knowing that you're going to communicate directly with me, even when you're worried that it might hurt my feelings. And that's like, that's, I feel the same way about you and it's why I needed to know if I could just be my full self with you and, you know, not uh, I'm trailing off because I got embarrassed because I can see you while we're talking. (laughs) (laughs) So sorry. I'm super curious to hear how that ends. Or are you so embarrassed you want me to start talking about Sidi again? I kind of lost my own thread there. So basically, it's a little hook under a C that makes it a soft C, uh-huh. and it's called a seed a, a or a sedi, depending on the language. Okay. Yeah, because apparently, Portuguese and Spanish have very different ways of saying it from French, which I'm like, cool. <laughs> it's all good. Some people in English call it a broken C, I guess. Oh, really? 
like like our broken busted language yeah apparently only the tail is called the sedi in french um whereas the whole letter is called a broken c i think this is this is my parsing very quickly of wikipedia so if you don't trust me or are a language nerd by all means like please check up on it and be like that was terrible that isn't at all what the thing is um there you go there's your distraction <laughs> the audience has been very cleverly distracted are you feeling less embarrassed now that i've drawn everyone's attention back to it yeah yay um so are holidays significant for you in long distance relationships mm. See, I thought a good question. Yeah, you did. <laughs> um, they are. They are, but only a couple of them, and none of them are, are bank holidays. You know, <laughs> like, they're not. Um... You're yeah, not just like. like... I, I, care, I care a lot about seasonal um, holidays. So, um, Samhain, which is New Year, yep. um, mm -hmm. or Diwali. Uh, I mean, yeah, it, it's a very similar time period. They neither of them work on the st the quote unquote standard calendar um, yeah. that Western European cultured folks use. Yeah, so that's an important time, um, and like when spring starts, harvest time. Those are those are some holidays that are important to me. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Possibly Easter and or Esther. That's one I always miss. Really? I guess it's coming up so I can try a better time, but I try to do a better job now. But right. um, uh, what's the other one? So Beltane is in May, mm -hmm. which is my favorite. It's like my personal Mardi Gras. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, um, Yule. Yule is oh, really yeah. is is Yule is cool. Um, I like Yule. Yule is um, a great holiday. I'm it's all the fan. elements of Christmas that I like without Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Give me my fucking pine tree in peace. I love that shit. Let me decorate it. <laughs> Let me get into all those like fruitcake things. In fact, Yule is so fun that Christians have taken a lot of very, in my opinion, non-Christian tree decorating things that would have been seen as like not just idol worship, but like actively tree worship, which was like, <laughs> it's like actively denounced in the Bible, if I'm not mistaken, but I'm sure some biblical scholar somewhere will be like, actually, you're completely misunderstanding what the Bible says. Um, so I'm like, actually. what else? But, but, but do your research because that's the tone it would take. Absolutely. <laughs> but like, do your research. It's, it's pretty, pretty straight up that the Bible's like, don't decorate trees. Don't worship trees. It's it's a bad time. It's very unchristian. Yeah, I feel. Oh my god, slight tangent. I feel like that's why we have Guardians of the Galaxy, though. Like it always comes <laughs> back around. Like all the things what? the Christians are like, don't do it. Groot. You have to right, know the character right. Groot. Okay. He's literally like. I was a, like, you don't yeah. know what Mercury retrograde is. No. Um. <laughs> you don't know what Groot is like. <laughs> But Groot are you, are you is totally from a tree worship. Dimension? The children love Groot. He's like the most popular character for kids out of the movie. Well, not, not of course. I mean, it often would just be Star Lord. Sure, main character. But like Groot, yeah, main character Star Lord. But Groot, supplementary <laughs> character, who only says one kind of thing. He can I'm only say, "I am Groot." I'm surprised. Yes, that's true. Um, I'm surprised it wasn't the raccoon. I would have figured the raccoon would have been more popular with kids. Right. What right. is his name again? Is it Rocket or something? It's not Rocket. I'm thinking. No, I think it is Rocket. Is it Rocket? Oh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's I am great. Like, I am like three for three for GOG knowledge. So anyway, slight tangent. Groot's popularity, I think, is latent tree worship. You heard it from me first. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that it's latent tree worship and just like it's Satan in action right then and there. Yeah. Yeah. Guardians of the galaxy. You had, you heard it here first folks. It is, it is satanic. And it's tree worship. 
<laughs> oh my god um but somehow it's okay when uh well it did get ron when you bring the Perlman tree to your... play the the worst character and he already played hellboy so it's definitely satanist definitely also ron ron perlman is just like he's kind of like the original no fucks given badass actually no that's not true because mickey rourke played um uh what's his face in sin city oh it's gonna bother me now yeah the guy with the chin i still haven't seen sin city which is horrible i know you've got the poster marv. up and his everything. name is marv his name is what i had to look at my i had to look at my sin city poster but <laughs> mickey mm-hmm. rourke was marv marvin yeah m-a-r-v marv marvin yeah. So he back has, to combat some... relationships. <laughs> Sorry, I got I was so tangented that I was, was like, you should fault. see the typeface. I, I did that because we were talking about Yule and I love pine yes. trees. Yes. And then you said that And Yule logs. Christmas now is like basically sacrilegious to itself based on like more traditional Christianity. Sure. sure. It's sort of like <laughs> All Hallows Eve very few people celebrate like all saints day or anything like that. Like most, Mm -hmm. most folks that identify casually, um, as sort of just being like Christian ish, um, or even, even folks who would, um, go to church. I I don't know how many of them actually celebrate all saints day anymore, but then again, that Mm -hmm. could be because it's a really Catholic thing. And I happen to know more Protestants than Catholics. So what do I know? Mm. Well, I would just, it's, it's changed. Those things have changed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we found some interesting priest that would want to talk to us about religion, this hypothetical priest, they would pro- probably <laughs> be like, yeah, things have changed. People's worship habits are not what they were 50 mm-hmm. years ago, 60 years mm-hmm. ago, et cetera. Because yeah, there probably I mean, my, wasn't um... a time when everyone did, you know, they really did like majority of folks in a neighborhood would observe all saints day. I mean, it was less than a hundred years ago that a man was fined for cutting firewood on his own property on a Sunday in Dawson Creek, BC. So like we have some weird rural, very Christian areas as like also Dawson's Creek took place in Canada. Well, Dawson's Creek, the show was about a fictional Creek. Dawson Creek is the city in Canada. I mm. use the word city here liberally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love you all, my northern BC folks. <laughs> I'm from New York, so I laugh at these things because I'm the only one who really knows what a city is. <laughs> I, I feel like it's so true, though. People from big cities are so familiar with how small and insignificant they are that when they see people from smaller areas, they're like, oh, you're even you're even smaller and even less significant. You just don't know it. <laughs> so they like have this like city smugness. Yeah, I try not to, but I feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable with you and not hide. <laughs> it's okay. You can be contemptuous of your like country bumpkin long distance beau if you would like. Oh, you're not okay a being... bumpkin. I was you're waiting for you to say you're nerdy. not a bow, and I was like, bah! I was oh, like getting yes, all will. ready to like table flip. Oh. <laughs> I'm I'm so glad you said you're not a pumpkin. <laughs> That's funny that you did choose two words with B. <laughs> that were like and I was like very different in the in the sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh. You're not a bumpkin <laughs> exactly well thank you it's good to know that you feel that way the biggest city i've ever lived in was only six and a half million people and that was chennai that's a lot of people. i only lived there for i only lived there for six months what's the population of richmond only four hundred thousand, but it's in the uh, greater vancouver area which okay. is okay well but million, it's hundreds is... of thousands yeah that's that's why you're not a bumpkin because oh, like big so like bumpkins are sub hundred thousand people because there are a whole bunch of people in Dawson Creek that are going to be offended when they hear this, or did they just clear a hundred thousand people? Now I'm going to look it up. I don't want to wait for your life to be over in your <laughs> tiny country so bumpkin town. 
as of 2016, Dawson <laughs> Creek was 12,978 people. <laughs> That's still a lot of people. Like 12,000 people yeah, is a lot, it is. but it's not for a city. It's, that's exactly that's exactly how I feel about it too. See now I'm like wait. I'm just what's really the population of Clearwater? That at 11:40 at night, having done no vocal warm-ups today, not only did I hit it on in key, but I sounded <laughs> a little like the recording. <laughs> like I had I had that lady's inflection <laughs> a bit. <laughs> just just a little. Yeah, it's true. Just a little. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't a full-on impression because I think my roommate might be trying to sleep, and I have no idea if I've been a loud asshole this whole time. <laughs> that's that's pretty amazing. I don't think um, I have, but there've definitely been loud outbursts of laughter. So, I don't actually know what the the size of Chase BC is because I can't find a Wikipedia article. Um, but Clearwater's 2,300 people. Oh, oh so God. None, so no one got to see Jazz's reaction. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> but wow. What I a forgot. face. That was a, that was a great face. Tw- what did you say it was? 2,300 people. Oh. oh. That <laughs> makes like me claustrophobic. revulsion. No, it just makes me feel claustrophobic. 2,300 people. Oh. Yeah, 2,300 people isn't a lot. No. That's so, only like, that's like two and a half of my high schools. Yeah, so my high school is 1,500 people. Yeah. So that's like one and a half of my high schools. Yeah. 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 So sometimes people are from areas that are not as populated as areas we're familiar with. As it turns out, sometimes you take a chance. And you end up in a very small city. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes you just wake up in a city that sleeps. Oh, you know what is another really good thing to do for long distance anything? Um, Yeah. Is to share stuff that reminds you of the person. So I'm going to do that right now before Mm. I forget. I saw this video of a little toddler um, in the snow (laughs) in a frozen ga- like outfit singing let it okay. go with the gestures like a tiny Ooh, tiny little little munchkin feeling. of a person who like like you know when when babies are so little that they stick their arms straight out and it looks like they've barely moved them because there's just not a lot of arm yet right they're yep. like little stubs that's how little this yep. kid was and Aww. they were singing let it go and it made me think of how you have convinced me to watch frozen one day because of its super interesting cultural significance i think i said Mm. motifs yeah Mm. (laughs) you did not like the cultural significance piece no because that sat very badly no it's okay it's just that i've always been a little obstinate about the idea of of cultural significance by way of disney phenomena I'm okay, very skeptical as an adult of the, of that. That's fair. I also feel like singing Disney princess songs is more of a queer pastime as a mask presenting person. Yeah. So and it's me, literally how we met cute at summer camp. That's true. That's true. We duetted um, a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And once I got over my initial forgetting of my lines and the initial like stage fright that I have, because I'm not a trained performer, like some people. <laughs> I stuck um, my tongue out. <laughs> then I actually hit all the harmonies really well. I think I was really happy yeah, with how did. I hit all the harmonies in that song. You mm. did. We blended so nicely. And I still mm, want us to, good. We still sounded want us to record. We can do it one day. We we could record that, or we could at the very least karaoke it again. I had I have a lot of fun singing it with you. Yeah, it's fun. I sung "Love Is an Open Door" with Charlotte in the car because we were giving a friend a ride to a party, and the friend was like, um, "I was asking like, oh, what kind of music do you listen to?" Um, and she was like, "Well, just put on whatever you know you would normally listen to," mm-hmm. and. That that's fine. This is how I get to know my friends better. And I was like, okay. I was like, are you okay with it being like a sing along or Disney? And she's like, like tw- yeah, definitely. That's that's yeah, wh- whatever you want to listen to, death metal, whatever. And I was like, okay. So I threw on. I asked Charlotte. I was like, do you want to do some Disney sing along? And she was like, yes. And so then I was like, okay. 
and I put on some Disney Shuffle, like all the various Disney albums like shuffled together um, in this playlist that I've made for myself for this exact occasion. Mm -hmm. And of course, like a few songs in, Love is an Open Door comes on. And as soon as they hear the first note, I'm like, do you want to do at this? And Charlotte's like, okay. And then (laughs) we like belted out the entire song, hitting all of the like super precise um, vocal exchanges in the middle of the song. Like we just like, we're really on it. And this like third person in the car was like, that was some next level shit. Yeah. I felt so good. Yeah. (laughs) Also, we were just being like grossly adorable, which is like something the two of us did really well with a whole new world. Yeah. I think everyone that was like looking on was like, "Daw," because it was really cute. Yeah. If I do say so myself. It's just such a good song. Mm -hmm. And there's like, as far as I can tell, nothing problematic about that particular song in like what is otherwise a very polarizing. Very problematic movie. Yeah. Oh my God. But Robin Williams is a stellar performance. And yes, that song is really good. It's nice. It's nice. It's so good. It's a nice song. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Other than like, yeah, no, we could we could nitpick and find problematic stuff all day if we wanted to, but that song is probably one of the least problematic parts of that movie. So, <laughs> we'll right. put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Although, like, fuck that whole "Do you trust me?" shit. That will that will yeah. send you down a road of nightmares if you're not careful. <laughs> Yes, it will. That is like the step on the abuse magic carpet ride. Do you trust uh-huh. me? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> then just jump. You'll feel like you're going to die, but I promise you everything's okay because you trust me, right? It just feels really terrible and like you're going to die. But I, I promise you this is all going to work out fine. Do you trust me? Yeah, that's a fucking nightmare roller coaster for sure. Yeah. <clears throat> Woof. It's almost like both of us have some past experiences. <laughs> yeah with really trusting people i think my personal favorite is the if you loved me then Hmm? like if you loved me then you would oh like that 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 setup if you loved me then i have had let me think yes i have had a fair amount of that once twice I would say two different relationships in my past. I've had that a fair amount and it was oh, nonsense. I'm so sorry. That's like and a very, very uncool kind of manipulation. Yeah. Yeah. But the funny thing is some people just think it's not manipulative. Like some people genuinely believe that what they're saying is just like the way it is. It's just scripted. And like people who love each other do specific things to show that they love each other. And if you're not doing that, you must not love them. Yeah. Like, well, but that isn't that a little different from the kind you were describing, which is like the in the moment, if you love me, you would do this thing, which is different from like expecting that like a committed relationship means you do stuff like that, you know, like there's like, like yes, there lo- definitely yeah. there yeah. are gradations and there are tiers of how shitty that statement and that <laughs> mindset gets. <laughs> Um, because obviously the like, well, you would do it if you loved me is super manipulative. I haven't experienced tons of that. Most of what I've experienced has been like, oh, like, like, yeah, just like monogocentric and like, right, right. Okay. Gotcha. You know, like really like you were supposed to get me flowers because of course you were supposed to. Right. Or That's just like what you do when you. Or have you ever been in a relationship where your relationship status changes in some way or like a label changes and then a person's behavior is pretty radically different and you're just like, what the hell happened? Like, I thought the label was supposed to change to describe what we are doing, not we change the label, meaning we've stepped from one box into a different box and now everything's going to be different. Yeah. 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 I, I can't say that I have had that experience. But well, I I can understand and empathize with what you just said, and I you. I think I've known people who have experienced that. 
I had other weird I've... poly stuff that was like maybe the poly version of of those things, perhaps. We but could I definitely... have to think about it more. We could definitely talk about that some other time. I know that you'd mentioned some specific time constraints, and I want to honor that. I'm also curious if you would be willing to answer, like, one or two questions quickly, just so we yeah. can touch on that content. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay, so what feeds you most about long-distance relationships? It's It's like, it's part of the big ball of love thing for me. Like when they're, when they're healthy and there's mutuality, then I just feel that much more cared for and like that there's like just good energy and concern in in the universe flowing back and forth between me and that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like that. And when things are really good, which is like what's been the last couple of months, then the actual disparate um long distance connections literally like impact each other (laughs) you know things have been have been pretty good for me with my local sweetie and like yay things have been good with us and things have been good with a couple other people that i marco polo with and feel all squishy about so like that's a lot of good relationships I'm very lucky. Yeah. And I feel so, like I'm able to see better when people are actually nice and good for me than not. And I think when relationships are going well, it's easier to sniff out the ones that aren't going well. Like when you just think a relationship's mm. going well, but it's not, it has like a different flavor. And when you have other relationships where things are really going well, not that you ever want to like compare or contrast yeah. or anything like that. But there is also this sense of like, oh, something feels out of step in this mm-hmm. and I don't know what it is. Let me let me do some thinking about that. And it kind of like gives you an excuse to do that thinking, I think. Yeah. Comparing uh, is different from like having discernment between multiple people at once. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, so then the last question I had for you is what are some milestones of long distance relationships? Oh. Because other than, like, the main ones, which are, like, time, so milestones can be, like, oh, we're at six months or we're at a year. I was thinking more, like, oh, this is the first time you visited this city. Mm. Or, like, you flew out to see me kind of deal. I have to, yeah, like, as much as it perhaps is high stakes, but depending on the kind of long-distance thing that's going on, a milestone is, Mm -hmm. like, being asked to spend time in real life. You know, mm. making a plan of some sort. Um, sure. It feels normy to say that out loud. You know. That's okay. But... There are going to be some normative traditions that resonate Ooh. with each of us. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say, and that's okay, and you were like, no, no, no. I no. am anarchist. <laughs> <laughs> no norm no you're right i mean yeah it's it's fine <laughs> it is allowed yeah. i can still be a radical <laughs> it is it is allowed for folks to do the things that bring them joy even when those things are really common or mainstream it's not like their values diminished i think that's a milestone and then i feel like there must be a different kind of milestone maybe just like developing an actual rapport with um with like written communication where like mm. you can kind of get each other's voice you can go back and forth without like making a super strong effort to like perfectly craft a response that, you know, like, like, I I think that's a milestone too. A sense of like comfort or built rapport. That's a good idea. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you also mentioned something about a capacity to feel vulnerability or be vulnerable. What was that? Your mic went out for one second. Sorry. I was writing it down to 
a capacity for vulnerability, which I feel like ties into that a lot. Yeah. Well, that's all that I had questions about. I feel like with how busy you are, I might want to let you get to sleep. (laughs) Do you have any closing thoughts about Comet Partners or long distance? I think um, I just want to keep talking about it because there's so much more to learn, you know, Um, and I, I think having long distance relationships can fucking be really great, really nurturing Mm -hmm. and, um, Mm. fulfilling. Um, and, and sometimes the opposite is assumed and I just don't think it has to be that way. It doesn't have to be this sad sack. Like this isn't the real thing because we're not in real, like, no. Yeah, (laughs) I agree completely. (laughs) <laughs> and I think you hit on something really important, which is, which is this idea of just keep talking, like continuing to talk, being something that's important, like building that connection and putting in the time to actually like share your lives a little. Yeah. Even if it's just a little. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me, Jazz. Yeah. Welcome. And you can find all their stuff at jazzgoldman.com. Yes, that is where you can find my online presence. Also on Instagram (laughs) and Facebook. Um, And what is your Instagram, Jazz? It's jazzgoldman. All one word? Yes, or beyond a babe jazz. Both will get you to me. Awesome. Good to know. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) so how was it intimates did you love something you heard or maybe you're upset by something i said leave your comments on facebook.com slash intimate interactions or you can go to patreon.com slash victor salmon where you can find our discord server all of these communities are available on intimatepodcast.com and i genuinely look forward to speaking with you soon if you liked it please consider helping us pay for show costs over at patreon for as little as one dollar per month it's incredibly helpful It's just a dollar a month. If you can afford it, we would hugely appreciate having your support. And hey, if that doesn't work for you, I completely understand. You can also help out by going to leave a review on iTunes or other favorite social media platform. Social proof like that helps so much with visibility and audience building. It helps other intimacy and relationship nerds find us. And if any of that just sounds like too much work, you can always do something really simple and it still goes a long way. Something like just tapping share and sending an episode that you liked, maybe a favorite, to a friend or partner, or maybe you can send them something you think they might really like. That's probably more considerate. (laughs) Thanks so much for your time and for your help in keeping us making more of Intimate Interactions. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. The intro music was Driving in the Rain by Timecrawler, and this outro music is Acoustic Blues by Jason Shaw.